Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. If you're new here, we've been talking a lot about deliverance and many people say, Isaiah, don't talk about the devil so much. See, one of the devil's greatest lies right now that he's given the church that God has been showing me is that he's not real. One of the devil's greatest lies is that he's not active. His lie is he's not working. He's not lurking. And you cannot oppose, fight, or confront something you don't believe actually exists. Many people have a theology that says, don't talk about him, don't hint. Don't preach on deliverance. Don't address the demonic. Don't address demonic portals. Don't address demonic open doors. But there is not one scripture in the entire Bible. And I'm coming strong tonight, guys. Or one place where it even hints that Jesus suggests or says we should not talk about destroying the works of darkness. In fact, I know opposite to contrary belief, there's no verses that tell us we should talk people out of spiritual warfare. And I'm so confused right now as being a preacher and a pastor in the body of Christ on why so many churches, communities, and people are trying to talk those out of deliverance. They say, oh, you shouldn't get into that. It's dangerous. Friend, the Bible says in Luke 10 that God has given us power to trample on the serpents and the scorpions and they will not harm us. And these are talking about demonic powers. There is no verse in the entire Bible that says, don't don't talk about the enemy strategies. There's no verse in the entire Bible that says don't preach on spiritual warfare. There's no, or it says, pre, don't, yeah, don't preach. There's no verse that says do not focus on deliverance. Why? Because to say that would be to say don't focus on the ministry of Jesus. To say that would be don't focus on what Jesus taught and what Jesus demonstrated. Jesus did not just preach on the demonic realm. Jesus did not just preach on deliverance. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God. This is what we're doing in the map. This is what we're doing right now. We're demonstrating when we're praying, when we're doing deliverance. We're not just preaching about it. We're demonstrating it. And so many people are writing me saying, Isaiah, thank God that I'm no longer on the sidelines. I'm on the front lines. As I've been going through applications, I've been spending hours going over your guys' applications, looking at how quality our following and our community is. And one thing I keep hearing the Lord say to me as I'm reading your guys' applications is don't bench people. The American church puts you on the bench and doesn't utilize you and wants you to be a water boy for the pastors and the preachers. But God is saying it's time to stop benching believers. It's time to stop sidelining, sidelining Christians. We say, oh, well, you have this wrong or you don't have this qualification or you don't have this experience and so we put you on the bench and God says you don't need to be on the bench where am I going to gain experience if it's not demonstration everyone has to start somewhere some people say well you shouldn't allow people to be on the map that don't have a bunch of experience show me that in the Bible Acts 4 13 unskilled uneducated yet the people marveled because they had been with Jesus Jesus is looking to equip people and all you have to do is say here I am Lord yes all you have to do is say Lord I'm available for your use you don't have to be perfect you don't have to have it all together you just have to be available because right now God is raising up people to destroy
destroy the works of darkness. So I'm telling you tonight, let this be a prophetic word to you. It's time to get off the bench. It's time to get off the sidelines. It's time to stop being a spectator. It's time to stop being a spotter. It's time for you to get hands on. It's time for you to dive in. Isaiah, it's going to be uncomfortable. Absolutely. Everything that God has for your life is going to be uncomfortable. Isaiah, it's going to be hard. Absolutely. The narrow road is difficult and hard. Isaiah, it's going to be uncertain and unknown. Jesus says, I want you, Peter, to go deeper into the unknown. I don't want you to live your life flopping around in the kiddie pool of Christianity. The Lord is saying to you, take off the floaties, take off and get out of the kiddie pool and begin to do what God has anointed you and called you to do. You're going to be miserable if you live your life going from Sunday to Sunday, but never walking out what God has for you. There's nothing better than seeing God's kingdom in action. Miracles are the kingdom of God in action. The Bible says, and the people believed because of the signs and wonders. Deliverance is the kingdom of God in action. I feel the Holy Ghost fire, so I'm just preaching prophetically tonight. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is longing to demonstrate. He's not a God of religion where we just talk about him, where we just say things. He is a God of demonstration, and he is looking to demonstrate his kingdom on the earth through your life. You are called to manifest the kingdom of God. You are called to demonstrate the kingdom of God on the earth as it is in heaven. God says, I want you to be one of demonstration. I want you to be one that walks this thing out. This is the fun of Christianity. This is the excitement of Christianity. Friend, there absolutely is a real enemy and I'm not going to apologize. The devil is not apologizing for addicting our kids. He's not apologizing for infiltrating America, the American church. I will not apologize to the, for exposing the enemy. I will not apologize for talking about deliverance. I will not apologize about talking about witchcraft and pornography and fornication and sexual sin. I am not going to apologize for exposing and pulling the covers of the enemy. The only one that wants to cover up what the enemy's doing is the enemy. It's time for us to expose him. He's lurking. He's prowling. And right now, as I'm preaching, I want you to think about this. We're live on the air where you're hearing me five seconds after I say it. You, uh, Facebook has a little bit more delay, but you're hearing me live and as I'm preaching and shouting and being passionate the enemy is just as loud he's shouting through your television he's like Isaiah why are you shouting it's amazing because the enemy shouts at you all day long but God forbid somebody gets up here like a general in the army and shouts at you God forbid somebody gets up here we have gone so long without passion in the church when somebody shouts and gets passionate we look at the videos, we look at the broadcast and say, what in the world is that young man shouting and screaming about? I'm shouting and screaming because the delivering power of God set me free 10 years ago. I'm shouting and screaming because it was his power and his anointing that set the set me free, that broke every shackle. Friend, I'm shouting and passionate and praising because if it wasn't for his power, I would be dead. And if I were to be honest with you, this is how much I care about your opinion. This is how much I care about your approval. I am not interested. Paul said, if you're looking for the approval of man, you should never be a slave of Christ or a servant of Almighty God. So we're not looking for approval. We're not looking for validation. We're looking for demonstration. This is the kingdom of God. It's about demonstration. Yes, the devil has been defeated. People say, don't talk about him. I saw someone post this last week. They said the devil doesn't have a kingdom. He's already defeated, which is unscriptural. I'm going to show you that here in a minute. But they said, don't talk about the devil. He's already been defeated. Is the devil defeated? And the answer is, draw. 
drum roll, yes. The devil has been defeated. Christ defeated the enemy on the cross. Does the devil still have power? Yes. The Bible also makes it clear that we are fighting the powers of darkness. So although Christ has defeated the power of the enemy, it does not remove the presence of the enemy. There is still power. There are still demons lurking all around the earth. There's still demons infiltrating and we don't fight from a place of trying to gain victory. We fight from victory, not for victory. In deliverance, when we're driving out demons, we're not trying to win a battle. We've already won the battle. All we're doing is we're enforcing our kingdom mandate. We're enforcing the government of God. We're taking the power and the authority that God has given us, and we are superimposing his kingdom over the enemy's kingdom. And when the kingdom of God, I'm preaching strong tonight, y'all. I hope somebody's taking notes. And the, when the kingdom of God comes upon the kingdom of the enemy, the kingdom of the enemy is shattered. And I prophesy over you tonight, we're going to go into portals and doors and gates of the enemy, but I just want to prophesy over you that tonight, every shackle, every chain, every demonic spirit, I put it on notice tonight and I speak over you the delivering hand of God. Jesus said it's the finger of Almighty God that does deliverance. The synonymous term is the spirit of Almighty God and I feel the Holy Spirit right here in my office, in my studio, and I'm telling you right over you now, I ask that the Holy Spirit would come over you in Jesus' name, that there would be breakthrough. I come against every demonic spirit spirit that would try to stop you from receiving the word, hearing the word, every spirit of offense, every spirit of religion. I feel the Lord saying somebody needs to shake off that religious demon. Somebody needs to shake off that religious spirit. Somebody needs to break out of that dull, dead, dry religion. Where has religion got you? Religion has only made you miserable. Religion hasn't taken you anywhere. It has never healed you. It's never delivered you. It's left you dry. It's left you cold, but our God is a deliverer healing breakthrough type of God so you need to understand that the enemy is real the powers of darkness is real but the power of God is greater than the power of the enemy we do a major disservice to the kingdom of God when we create unbiblical theology that says the devil doesn't exist that says the devil does not war against us that says he's not active and in the church's mind the devil's on the beach somewhere uh, I don't know where I was gonna say Hawaii but Hawaii's way too nice the devil's on the beach somewhere uninterested in what God is doing in the earth friend the devil is trying to stop the move of God because it is the move of God that removes his kingdom. He is intent on bringing you down. Why do you think it's been such a struggle? You say, Isaiah, ever since I found your broadcast, it feels like all hell has broke out against me. Ding, ding, ding. All hell has broke out against you because now that you're being trained, you're threatening the kingdom of darkness. And as you know, the devil doesn't attack those that he dates. He doesn't attack those that are on his team. He only comes after and fights those that are doing something so you got to realize you will come under attack but the one that's in you is greater than the one that's in the world and we're teaching you how to overcome the attacks and the assignment and tonight this is what we're going to be discussing and addressing but understand that the fact that the devil's not real could not be any further from the truth the truth is he's very active on the earth working day and night the bible says he's accusing you and trying to steal kill and destroy we have many part-time believers thinking they're going to 
to overcome full-time devils. We go to church for an hour a week and then we think, oh, we're going to destroy the devil and the devil works overtime and we're part-time and we think we're going to destroy him. And friend, I came to tell somebody that it is not okay that Satanists, witches, warlocks have a higher conviction than the church. It is not okay that witches and warlocks have a higher level of commitment. It is not okay that witches and warlocks have a higher level of dedication and a higher level of separation than the church of almighty God. It is time for the resilient bride of Christ to rise up and say, we are not going to let darkness be more radical than us. We are not going to let darkness be more committed than us. We are not going to let witches and warlocks spend eight hours and 10 hours astral projecting. Come on, we're about to break 2000 viewers. We're not going to let them spend hours and hours astral projecting and then have our lazy services, our lazy prayer meetings, our lazy lifestyles. It's time for the church to get a reality check. It's time for the church to wake up. I don't know how much louder I could blow the trumpet. I'm doing everything I can do I'm spending hours and hours and hours, sometimes eight to 10 hours in my office studying and preparing and getting these things ready and praying because I believe God wants to raise up some people to destroy hell. Okay, it's gonna be, come on guys, if you want me just to keep preaching, if I'm preaching good, give me a one in the chat because we're going for it tonight. It's it's Thursday night, I was gonna say it's Friday night, it's Thursday night, but we're going for it tonight. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, or that word means self-controlled, be vigilant or watchful because your adversary, your enemy, for those of you that don't believe the devil's real for those of you that don't believe the church should fight the enemy your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone that he can devour so peter is painting for us a picture of the devil walking around searching for someone that he can devour searching for someone that he can eat he's searching so the devil is on the prowl searching for someone he can destroy searching for someone that he can shipwreck searching for an open door for an opportunity looking does anybody have I feel the Holy Ghost strong tonight. Does anybody have a crack, a chink in their armor that I could get through? Does anybody have a spot that's vulnerable? That's why Paul says, wear the full armor. He's looking for a place to come in. He's searching for a place to pounce on you. If you've ever seen the way that a lion acts, he stalks his prey. He roams, he lurks in the shadows and waits for a weak moment, waits for an opportune moment. And I speak over you, no more weak moments. Tonight, I'm gonna expose some stuff. We're gonna close Close some doors so the enemy will not be able to pounce on the church of Jesus Christ. Peter says the enemy is trying to pounce on you. He's looking for an opportunity. You cannot, and he says, and you need to be sober. And that word sober, let me just give you the basic definition. And we're going to hear this word a lot tonight because over and over when you see the assignments, the attacks, and the open doors of the enemy, you're going to see the word self-controlled or being controlled. And that word sober means to be self-controlled. It means stop letting other things control you. Stop letting anger control you. Stop letting the media control you. Stop letting lust control you. These are things and vices the enemy is using to try to gain access and to try to gain control in your life. The devil is a control freak. If you think that your ex-girlfriend was a control freak or your ex-boyfriend was a control freak or your boss, the devil is the greatest control freak that has ever existed. And you need to understand and tell these things to stop trying to control. Do not let them control you, Peter says. Do not let them be the driving force. When you think of control, you need to think of driving force of your life. So many times we make decisions based on the lust and the desires of our flesh. And wherever our flesh or our lust wants to go, that's where we go. That's when lust 
lust drives you. That's when your soul drives you and you need to kick the devil out of the driver's seat and say, I'm not going to be controlled by the enemy. I'm going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit to be self-controlled. I hope you're writing some of this stuff down and I'm going quick to be self-controlled is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Satan, you are no longer, let him know tonight. Come on, y'all, be vocal. Satan, you are no longer in control. Your kingdom is no longer in control. Your darkness is no longer in control. One of the most frustrating things about having demons, and I hear this over and over and over, and before I got delivered, I know how this feels, is demons control your thoughts. This is so frustrating because people say, Isaiah, I'm trying so hard not to think about this. That's why I made one of my main ways, you know, if you have a demon, is dominating thoughts. This is one of the main symptoms because you try so hard not to think about something, but the devil keeps coming and steering your thoughts and driving your thoughts. Now, why is the enemy so intent on driving your thought life? Why is the devil so intent on fighting in your mind, which is the battleground? Because the Bible says, so a man thinks, so a man is. Demons use thoughts to shape and mold us to become the person that Satan wants us to be. See, we never talk about the fact that God is not the only one with a plan for your life, but Satan also has a plan for your life. If you don't understand this, you'll live a random existence running from God. You need to understand that Satan has a plan, and that is to completely destroy every single part of your life. One of the strongest spirits I've dealt with in deliverance, and when I mean strong, I mean stubborn, I mean violent, I mean manifestations where you're on top of the person, you can't, no one can hold them down. I'm talking vile, I'm talking darkness. I'm talking about when do, you're doing deliverance, there's a cold shiver down your back because of how dark and how satanic the spirit is. But one of the most satanic spirits, one of the most dark, violent, powerful spirits I've ever dealt with is the spirit of destruction. I probably dealt with the spirit two or three times. This is a, I would say a rare spirit, but the spirit of destruction is a very strong spirit and it comes into people and never lets them get ahead. If you have the spirit of destruction, anytime you get into a relationship, anytime you get a new job, anytime you get a career, a financial, a financial plan, it will get completely destroyed one way or another. This is always because their choice, not because people's choices, but because the demons were the driving force behind their decisions. The spirit of destruction wants to bring total destruction. So this is the, this is the way Satan's kingdom work. Satan wants to still kill and destroy. This is what he's been on doing. He wants to bring destruction in your life. We just broke 2000. Thank you everyone for watching. He wants to bring destruction on your life. So never, you can never get hit. Demons want to drive you. Demons want to be, according to Peter in the driver's seat. They want to control you. They want to manipulate you and they want to drive you. Now, here's what's interesting about this verse is Peter says you need to be sober. Now, why would Peter say sober, which is a term referring to not being drunk because when you're drunk come on somebody don't act like you just you've been saved for 40 years you're no longer the one driving when you're drunk alcohol takes the driver's seat and i know this because god set me free i used to drink almost every single day i was fully addicted to alcohol my mentality was well why not be drunk if i could be normal and be drunk at school if i could be drunk at work and i work eight hours you know i'll sober up in five why not drink i don't understand why you wouldn't drink but here's what i know about drinking is it steers your life and by the way i'm going to 
be doing a video soon on why Christians should not drink. I'm going to be giving you verses and talking about all the side effects. So that's just a quick plug there. But I'm telling you, when you drink, alcohol takes control of you. When you drink, alcohol makes decisions for you. You get drunk and you can't control what you're going to do. And so Peter says, you need to be sober because you don't want these things to control you. You don't want the enemy to come and control you. And a lot of us are drunk on the opinions of other people. Other people's opinions steer us and drive us. Some of us are drunk on religion. Now, anything that drives you or controls you, you can be drunk on that. So you can be drunk on success. If success is the thing driving your life and controlling your life, you are drunk on success. If religion is the driving force, rules and regulations, you are drunk on religion. And somebody needs to hear this tonight. Stop drinking the wine of the church. Stop getting drunk on religion and on success and on the things of this world. Peter says, don't let them drive you. And he says, listen, there's only one way that you can defend yourself from the roaring lion. Okay, we're going, we're going for it tonight, guys. I'm just letting you know, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those. There's only one way and that's to be watchful. He says, don't live your life ignorant and or live on accident but you need to be watchful of his schemes his plans his devices and you need to watch out for his traps you need to watch out for his strategies now peter how can we be watchful of the devices strategies or the plans of the enemy if we don't ever talk about or even know the plans of the enemy you live your life constantly under the power of the enemy if you don't know his plans and strategies if you don't watch out being watchful of the areas he's trying to sneak in. Here's, now you might not know this, but I'm gonna say something very sobering tonight. The devil right now is trying to find a place to sneak into your life. The devil is not gonna bust your door down, but the way that he enters is he tries to sneak in when you least expect him. How many know a burglar does not break in at 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon? A burglar breaks in in the middle of the night when everybody's unaware, when everybody's sleeping, then the enemy comes in. And it is when we sleep, the enemy wants to come in. I'm not gonna talk about the night, that's for another night. But we need to be watchful. That word watchful means be alert. Now, why is it so important what we talk about tonight? The reason why we're talking about demon portals and gates, I'm going to give you very specific things when it comes to the occult, when it comes to the family. I'm going to give you common open doors that demons come through because once you see that demons come through these doors, you're going to begin to realize what to avoid and what to shut. These are open portals, open doors, open gates in your life that give the demons access that you didn't know about. Now, when I use the word portals, doors, and gates, they're all synonymous terms. They all mean the same thing. They just mean an opening. Okay, and these are portals, these are doors, these are gates that we open up to let the enemy in because the devil is not in your life on accident, okay? The devil's not in your life because you did all these great things and you never sinned and you're Mr. Perfect. And a lot of people think they're perfect, don't get deliverance. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come for those that think they're righteous, but those that know they're a sinner and need a savior. So one of the key components to deliverance is you need to know you need it. You need to say, if I need it, I'm willing to get it. Pride and arrogance never work in deliverance. You need to be willing to say, I need deliverance. I need this to happen in my life. I'm not willing to go on without this. So why is it important? Because you're going to begin to realize all these things, different things are open doors, open portals, and you'll begin to be watchful saying, I need to be watchful, like Peter says, and make sure I don't open the door that I didn't even realize was an open door. Because as I talk tonight, you're going to say, I didn't even realize that was an open door. And I pray that you would slam, you would shut, you would close every door, every portal, every gate in your life that would be an open door for a demonic spirit to come in. Now, Peter is going to tell us what to do. He's going to tell us that we need to resist the devil and we need to remain steadfast in the faith. Now, James also told us the same thing. Y'all remember this? James says, resist the devil. First, you need to submit to God, then resist the devil, then the devil will flee. Resist means to withstand 
understand the action or effect of. So he says, the devil's taking action against you, but Peter says, I'm going to teach you ways on how to withstand the attacks of the enemy. Same thing that Paul said in Ephesians chapter six, when he said, you need the armor to do what? Withstand. What you're going to learn about every verse I'm giving you tonight, they all interweave. They all connect together. They all talk about being self-controlled. They all talk about withstanding. They all talk about the action or the attacks of the enemy. And so this is not where one verse contradicts another verse. It's all flows. It all makes sense. And you need to understand that it all works together. Now, if they were in America preaching this, we would be sorry, Peter, James, and Paul. I live in America and American Christianity. Now I know there's a lot of you watching from all over the world. I assume it's very common where you're at as well. American Christianity says the devil has no power. He's not active and we should just ignore him. Okay. If you're in the theology or in a church that believes the devil's not real, he's, or should I just say he has no power, he's not active and we should ignore him. Good luck with that. I hope that's been working out for you. I'll see you on the other side. But probably what's going to happen is you're going to live your life subject to things and not understand why you're coming under the power of darkness. You need to resist him. This is a wrestling match. This is a fighting match. He's trying to take, the Bible says, action against you. So you need to understand that he's going to continue to try to get you to live in bondage and the people around you. Now, this is the thing. It's not only you that will be ineffective and be in bondage, but what about those around you that will never get free because you choose to live in denial and ignorance? When you say the devil's not real, when you claim the devil's fake, when you preach that he has no power, he's all this. Yes, absolutely. Under our authority, he has no power. But it's unbiblical to say the devil has no power when the Bible makes it clear that we're wrestling powers and the powers of darkness. I'm going to give you more verses because some of you Pharisees are going to start manifesting here. Some of you religious people are going to start manifesting here. But you need to understand that not taking action, write this down, not taking action against the enemy is taking action. Not taking action is siding with him. Jesus said you are either for me or you are against me. If you're not actively for me, advancing my kingdom, then you are actively against me. And I don't know about you, but I want to be on the right army. I want to be on the army that wins. I want to be on the army that overcomes. And so you need to know now, why does Peter, let's just think about this, okay? And I'm, I'm going for it. We're just going. I don't care. I'm not going to apologize for time. I'm not going to say, oh, we're almost, we're halfway. We're not doing any of that. I'm just going for it in the Holy Ghost tonight. Why did Peter know so much about the devil? Why did Peter know how the devil prowls? Why did he know the devil lurks? Why did he say, be watchful? Why did he say, be sober? Why is he writing this to us, letting us know the function of the demonic kingdom? Because Remember, the devil came asking for Peter and the disciples. Peter is not speaking out of something he read in a book. He's speaking from firsthand experience. I'm not telling you stuff tonight that I just got out of a book. Do I use books? Yes. Do I use resources? Yes. Do I get, collect data information? Yes. But the stuff that I'm sharing with you is firsthand experience when it comes to fighting in spiritual warfare. So I'm not telling you something that I don't know about. Peter is telling us about the devil, how to overcome him, because guess what? The devil came for Peter. If you look at Luke 22, 31, the Bible says, Simon, Simon, this is the words of Jesus. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded with you in prayer, Pete, for you in prayer, Simon, that your faith should not fail you. So when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. So the way that you sift wheat is you would put it on a threshing floor or a concrete cement and you would beat it with a flail 
a flail and it would separate the chaff from the edible grain. Now we see this all throughout scripture, the wheat from the tares, the chaff from the edible grain. We see this all over scripture. Jesus is saying, Peter, the devil wants to lay you down and beat you down and separate and test you and afflict you. But guess what, Peter, I'm praying for you. Satan's gonna try to wear you out. He's gonna try to beat you down. And ultimately Satan's number one goal is to get you to quit. And the only thing, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight that's gonna get you through this pressing and this cr- this pressing and this crushing is having strong faith. And don't worry, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith would not fail. Now, I like to think of this as a story. I've told this often before this story, just imagine with me and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but imagine that the disciples wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. Jesus is having breakfast downstairs. Peter wakes up. He's wiping the sleep out of his eyes. He's pouring a bowl of cereal and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but I'm telling you what happened. And Peter says, wow, Jesus at like 1am, there was a knock at the door and Jesus goes, yeah, I answered it. Peter goes, as Peter wipes the sleep out of his eyes, who was at the door at one o'clock in the morning last night, Jesus. And Jesus goes, oh, Satan came by. And Peter goes, wait, what? Satan came here? And Jesus says, yeah, last night Satan came in the middle of the night. And Peter says, well, what did he want? And he goes, I wanted to talk to you about that, Peter. Sit down for a minute. Because Satan came last night and was asking for you. Peter start, imagine this, Peter's freaking out. And Peter says, wait, what? Satan came and is asking for me. What did you tell him? Because surely Jesus rebuked him, told him to leave, told him he has no power, told him to get off of Satan. He says, what did you tell him? He says, Peter, I told him, go ahead, try to sift him. But don't worry, Peter, I'm praying for you. And Peter goes, wait, what? You're praying for me? Friend, do you understand that the God of Abraham, oh, I feel the anointing, I'm about to, I'm about to run. If I could do a backflip, I would do one right now. The, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob says, I am personally praying for you that you would not stumble. Do you understand right now that in the middle, someone said, where's the text? That's Luke 22, 31. Do you understand that in the middle of your trial that God is praying for you right now that when Satan came to Jesus asking to sift him, Jesus said, Peter, I'm praying and I'm believing. But Peter, here's the deal when it comes to d- the devil and the open doors. I can't do this for you, Peter. All All I can do is give you the power and the authority and pray for you that you'd overcome. Now, let me talk to somebody that's been struggling. Let me just take a moment to preach real quick. Let me talk to somebody that's been going through hell. Let me talk to somebody that feels like they can't control their mind. Let me talk to someone that's been sick in body, that's been discouraged, that feels like they've been left out and counted out. Let me tell somebody this, that our God right now in heaven, if you didn't know this, I know somebody just stumbled in this broadcast, you're suicidal. You're sick in body, you're dealing with depression, you're on the verge of a divorce, but let me tell you that the God that we serve has committed himself to praying for you. Some of you say, Isaiah, would you pray for me? And some of you would be so happy if I laid hands and prayed for you, but let me give you something better. Our God is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Oh, where's that in the Bible? Hebrews 7.25 says he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives, who, who? Jesus, he lives 
forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Hebrews 7.25. Let me give you another one. Romans 8.34. It is Christ who died. And furthermore, Christ is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Friend, Jesus is praying. He's interceding even now at the right hand of the Father. He's saying, I'm praying that your faith wouldn't fail. I'm praying that you wouldn't get weary. I'm praying that you wouldn't get tired. I'm praying that you would slam every open door to the enemy. I'm praying that you would be strengthened in your spirit, strengthened in your mind. Am I preaching to anyone tonight? Strengthened in your body. Jesus says, I'm praying for you. Imagine that Jesus praying for you. Imagine that Jesus in your corner. I came to tell someone tonight, that Jesus is on your team, that Jesus is your co-worker. Friend, the Bible says to do the great commission. The word commission is co-mission. You are on a mission. You're not alone. You say, I don't have any friends that believe in miracles, deliverance, or revival. Well, guess what? Jesus is on the mission with you. He's your co-worker. He's serving the commission with you. He's anointed you. He's called you. And reality check, he's praying for you. So I just want to tell someone prophetically, you're going to make it. I know it feels like you're never going to survive the divorce. You're never going to survive the crushing. You're never going to survive the sickness. Your kids are never going to get through this. But I came to tell somebody, I don't care who you are, where you are, what you did, what you've done, who you've done. Our God is praying for you. He's interceding for you. He's working in the backgrounds. We have Christ in our side. Is there a battle? Yes. Is there casualties? Yes. Is there a war going on? Yes. But the one who is in you is greater than the one that you are warring against. And Jesus, who has already overcome the enemy, is praying for us in our fight with darkness. Now, in my angels teaching, I already taught you that Jesus is not fighting the devil. They're on different weight classes. Angels and us are the ones that fight against the enemy. According to scripture, Jesus has already defeated the enemy, but just because he disarmed and spoiled principalities and powers does not mean we're still fighting against the adversary who Peter says the roaring lion. Now, Proverbs, let me talk to you a bit about gates and doors here. Proverbs 25, 28 says a man without self-control, write this down, Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into, so a city broken into and left with no walls. Now, this is interesting because Peter says that self-control is the key to overcoming Satan's attacks. And now we have Proverbs saying a man without, are you guys seeing the correlation? A man without self-control is like a city that got broken into and left with no walls. So he says a man with no self-control is no different than a city broken in with no walls. It's left. Now the city gets left with no defenses, the doors are open, the gates are open, it's been pillaged, and it can't even defend itself. So it relates a man, are you guys seeing this, to a city. This is how demons get in. When we put our defenses down, when we drop our guard, when we let various other things take control of us, we become a spiritual house, which I'm going to get into that here in a second. This is, this is, I should maybe put this into two weeks. We'll, we'll, we'll see. This becomes a, we become a spiritual house with open doors, unlock windows and completely vulnerable to demons when we don't have self-control the bible over and over and i don't have time to get in this is going to speak of gates walls and doors as defenses in houses and defenses in cities ephesians 2 2 says this you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil the commander 
of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He doesn't work in the heart of the unbeliever, according to this verse. He works in the heart of those that refuse to obey God. Are you seeing this? Here we are again. The devil has access when we lack self-control. Much of the open doors I'm going to share with you tonight could be closed or prevented by having self-control. Now, this verse also says, the devil is the prince of the power of the air. We know Satan has a kingdom. For all of you that think Satan doesn't have a kingdom, I know there's videos going around right now saying Satan does not have a kingdom. That's not scriptural. If you want to know where Satan's kingdom's talked about, go to Matthew 12, 26. Jesus says, if Satan, now I'm reading the Bible word for it. If Satan casts out Satan, how will his kingdom stand? Oh, Jesus, Satan doesn't have a kingdom. Well, that's not what Jesus said. I believe Jesus over famous preachers. Okay, now Satan does not only have a kingdom, which I have a whole video on the kingdom of Satan and how to overthrow it, but Satan also has a throne. He has a place where he rules from, and this is in Revelation 2.13, which says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. So here we have John writing a letter to a church saying that you dwell in the throne of Satan. So Satan has a kingdom, according to Matthew 12.26. He has a throne, according to Revelation 2.13. 213 and he is the prince over the demons where's that matthew 934 matthew 934 says that satan is the prince over the demons so understand that when we fight uh, demons satan is the commanding officer over all the demons so i would very i could i could say there's 2300 of you 2300 and a half i could say probably many of us i would say none of us if i would just say safe have probably met the devil. Now, some of you have met a spirit that was impersonating the devil, but know that Satan is the commanding officer over every demonic power. Now, there's high-ranking demons that say they're Satan, but really all they're saying is they're representatives of Satan. Remember, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. We're, we're shattering the works of the enemy right now. Remember that when we cast out demons, we're attacking all of Satan's structure. We're attacking all of Satan's kingdom. So it's not you, Betty Lou, delivering someone in your living room it's betty lou the spirit of god in her okay i just made up the name fighting against all of satan's kingdom every time you drive out a demon you're weakening satan's global kingdom are you guys seeing this you're weakening his entire structure his entire kingdom so let us not get in this delusion that satan's hiding in a cave somewhere okay romans 16 20 for the god of peace will soon crush satan under your feet so Satan's power is, write this down, temporary, and his power is limited. And the Bible says that God, the God of peace, very soon is going to crush Satan under your feet. The demons, I'm telling y'all, you need to memorize some of this and just say these in deliverance because demons hate this right here. John 12, 31 says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out or cast down. That's John 12, 31. So there's going to come a time where Satan will be cast out of his place of power. Satan is a lowercase God of this world, and he's going to be cast out eventually. He's going to be dethroned. Revelation 20, he'll be wrapped with a chain that's unbreakable and thrown in the fire lake of fire for all of eternity to be tormented forever. There's coming a day where Satan will be tormented forever. So please, as I get in this, please let's not get caught in this. Satan's in a cave somewhere. Satan's hiding out. Satan would love for you to ignore him. Now, Luke eleven twenty four 24 is fundamental when talking about how demons get in because Jesus, after being accused of being of the devil for casting out demons, says this is Luke eleven twenty four. Jesus says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes in the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, so now Jesus says, this is what the demon says, okay? It says this, this is the demon talking now. 
I will return to the house that I left. So now demons are calling you their house, their property, where they live. So the Bible says, this is Jesus talking, so it will return and find that its former house or its old residence is all swept up and in order. Then the spirit will find seven other spirits more wicked than itself. Two principles there I just want to touch, and I'm not going to go into these because I've already talked about these. Demons travel in gangs and packs, and some demons are more wicked than others. Okay, those are both two proven right there in this verse. And then they will all enter the person. So seven of his friends, that's eight total demons. They've left the person. They've either left on free will or they've gotten cast out. Okay, I believe it's both. They will go get seven of their friends and all of them will enter the person and the Bible says, and they will live there. And so that person is worse off than before. How do the demons get in and out of the house? They get in through gates, doors, or portals. They're all the same word. But notice he says when it leaves. Now, he didn't say when he get cast out, although some translators believe it's when they get cast out. Some translators believe it's when they leave. I believe it's both. But notice it says, how did he leave? Now, the demon, let's just say, didn't get cast out. So it says when the demon leaves the person, how did it leave the person? It left because there was unlocked doors and there was openings for the demon, come on, let's hit 2,400 viewers tonight, for the demon to come in and out. I ref- I believe this refers to a demon being cast out, but also a demon choosing to leave because you left open doors in your life. The demon says, I'll return to the house I left. So when it returns, it sees the house is swept and in order. It gets seven more spirits worse and it get, becomes worse. The person becomes worse than before. Now, the reason the demon's able to come back is because there's an open door or an open window. I'm going to talk about both of those quickly, but this is how thieves get into houses. Guys, this is not rocket scientists. Jesus says you are a spiritual house, which I've had demons over and over again tell me we're living in a house. We're in separate rooms. How did you know we're in a house? How did you know we're in a house? How did you know we're in a house? And I've told demons over and over again, I know you're in a house because the Bible says you're in a house. I'm not preaching some new theology. I'm not preaching some wacko theology. I'm preaching the words of Jesus. Jesus says that you are a spiritual house and demons live inside of people. He didn't say they live on the roof. I know a lot of you are like, well, Christians can have demons in them. I did a whole video on that where I gave you a literal verse that says Christians, spirit-filled, can be filled with Satan. I have a video literally that gives you a verse, the Greek word where Satan could literally fill a believer. So we cannot argue that any longer. I give you tons of verses, but there's one specific that says they can. But Jesus says the demons live inside of people. So according to Jesus, we're houses. Demons are trying to get in and live inside of us, and they come through doors or windows, constantly looking for something unlocked, constantly looking for you to open a door. The only way, write this down, to prevent a demon from coming into you is for your doors to stay locked and to make sure that your house is full of the things of God. So this is how you keep the demons out. You make sure your house and your life is full of the things of God. Primarily, it's not opening doors and the ones that are closed need to stay locked. So the two things I want you to write down, don't open doors. Okay. So write that down. Don't open doors and leave the doors that God has locked, locked. The Bible says that God can shut doors that no one can open. Stop opening the doors that God is locking. Stop opening the doors that God is shutting. I'm going to go on and talk about this later. And thank you everyone following, joining, sharing. We just broke 2,400. This is by far an all-time high for Friday night. I think our old all-time high was like 1,700 or something. So we're way past all of our all-time highs. So thanks everyone for being here. But you need to know that when God locks the door, you need to not open it. Now, 
I know, and I, this is very important. We're going to get very practical and get into all the really good stuff. That was just a 40-minute warm-up for you. I know what demons I got delivered from. I know what demons I had. I know what my weaknesses are, and I'm extra careful that I don't ever unlock that door again. It is very helpful when you get delivered if the demons identify themselves by name that you know what demons they were so that you can prevent them from coming back. It's not that the same demon will come back because when we cast the demons, we cast them via pit, but the same name or the same function or structure of demon. Remember, demons are named based on their function. So if one person has a spirit of anger, one guy said, how could that guy have a spirit of anger? And I have the spirit of anger because demons are not named like kids are named when they're born. Demons names are their function. That's why demons can have a name of a family member because its function is to be like that family member. That's where we get into spiritual husbands, spiritual spouses. We'll just, we'll dabble on that later, but we're not going to go into detail on that. We'll just touch on it and we're going to move on. So you need to know, and you need to know what doors God has already locked. So for instance, if I struggled with alcohol and lust, God has now delivered me from alcohol and lust shut the spiritual doors, locked them, and it's my job because remember, I have the keys. Jesus said, I'm gonna give you the keys. So now I'm the only one that could unlock or lock those doors. So now if a demon of lust tries to jump on Isaiah Saldivar, it doesn't have power and it can't come through the door. It could knock, it could try to tempt, it could try to do this or that, but it can't come in because Isaiah Saldivar is leaving the doors locked because here's the thing, friend. I, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. I could just run right now. I already know what's behind the door of alcohol. I already know what's behind the door of lust. I've already been there. I know what is behind the door. Some of you that have come out of drugs, you already know behind the door of heroin is destruction. Is your family being destroyed? Is your body being destroyed? Is you losing your job, losing your loved ones? And so when God shuts the door of heroin and lust and addiction, stop trying to reopen what God has already shut. Be extra careful. You don't unlock that door again because demons oftentimes try to come through reoccurring doors. They try to come through revolving doors. So stop unlocking the doors. I'm not unlocking the door of addiction. I'm not unlocking the door of lust. I'm not unlocking the door of anger. I'm not unlocking the door of abuse or perversion. Whatever God locks, stop opening it back up. Now, I already know it's going to come through if I unlock it, so I'm not unlocking it. John 10 says, truly I say to you, now I want you to see this here. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So I want to show you in John 10, Jesus says that the thief and the robber tries to find another way. So if the devil can't get in through lust, he tries to find another way. He tries to climb in through a window. He tries to sneak in through a relationship. He tries to come through a back door. So know that the devil is looking for another way to try to infiltrate your life. The thief and the robber climbs in through another way. Sometimes the enemy will get in ways. Oh, this is such good preaching. I hope somebody's taking notes. Write this down. Sometimes the enemy will get in in ways that you didn't think was possible for him to get in because he found another way. An example of this would be witchcraft cartoons. You might see these cartoons of kids and say there's no way the devil can get in through a cartoon with witchcraft. But the devil's using witchcraft cartoons as another way. Are you all seeing this? Is this clicking for you? Another way to try to get in. Yes, the devil is sneaky. And so that's why the Bible says we need to be sober and we need to be watchful. Now I'm going to go over some of these things and you're going to say there's no way the enemy could get in that way. And this is why I'm giving this as the beginning of this, okay? 
is because you're going to say there's no way that the enemy can get in that way. But I want you to know that the enemy is always looking for another way in. Remember, John 10, the thief and the robber climbs in another way. Genesis 4, 7 says, you'll be accepted if you do what is right. This is God talking to Cain. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out because sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. All the way back to Genesis, okay? We just gave you New Testament. Now let's give you Old Testament. We see we are houses. Sin, Cain, is crouching and knocking and waiting at your door. Not your house, but your spiritual house. Do you see the connection here? How badly demons want to get in. How badly demons want to control you. How bad they want to uh, take over your life and be in the driver's seat of your life. Satan is a control freak. He wanted to control things in heaven. He wanted to rule over all the angels. I have another teaching on this. He wanted to ascend above the stars, which are the angels. He wanted to control the presence of God and rule from the north, which is the presence of God. So Satan is looking to control you. Ephesians 4, 27. And give no opportunity to the devil. That's what That means this. Don't give the devil any opportunities to try to gain interest into your life. Now, I want to do this before I start giving you some names of gates. I want to tell you this very simple principle. And I want you to remove, because you're not going to understand what I'm going to give you tonight, if you don't remove the word fair out of your vocabulary, okay? When we're talking about the devil and his demons, the word fair does not exist. They don't know what fair means. The devil does not know what fair means. The devil does not play fair. He doesn't understand fair. He doesn't play by the rules. And so this whole like, well, that doesn't sound fair, brother, because you're going to think that. I promise you, you're going to think that when I tell you ways that demons get in. I want you to remove that out of your mind and out of your life because the devil does not have fair in his dictionary. Now, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, and no wonder for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. Because remember when Satan tries to enter in your life, he tries to disguise himself. It's like these horrific videos. Type one if you've seen these horrific videos where someone's knocking at the door and they pretend to be a repairman or utility or a UPS driver and then you open the door and they look like they're dressed like a UPS driver and they bust in your door because you open the door and they rob the person, they pillage the house. Have y'all seen that? Type one if you've seen these videos. This is how the Bible says Satan comes in. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Satan comes in disguised as an angel of light. So many times innocent things i'm laying a foundation here open the door innocent things open spiritual doors first corinthians eleven three, paul says but i'm afraid that the that as the serpent deceived eve by his cunning your thoughts will be led astray from the pure devotion of christ again paul's afraid that satan will be crafty and try to get in so we're going to go over some major portals i'm going to categorize these best i can um i don't know we're just going to go for it okay i might break this down into two parts but i'm just going to go for it and see how far we get here because some people and now one thing i want to say about open doors or demons coming in some people okay it's going to get real here if you have kids we are going to talk about some stuff that might be graphic for kids. We're going to break 2,500 viewers here. I'm just letting you know, I don't want to hold back on this because I want you to get free. So we might go over some stuff that might be explicit, okay? Some people actually feel demons come into them. I've had an experience before I was saved where I felt a demon in my car and felt as if, I don't know if it was for sure or not. Now, I know I did get delivered from a spirit of lust, but I felt as if there was a demon of lust in my car. I don't know how to explain it. I just felt like there was another person in my car in the middle of the night. I was driving and I felt as if a demon or a spiritual being, because I wasn't serving God at the time, was in my car and somehow it came into me. I also had experiences, okay? Okay, and I know you guys can have chills down my back. I feel this because you've experienced this as well. I've had experiences where I would stand in front of the mirror before I got delivered and it was feel as if something was looking through my eyes. Type one if you've ever felt this. You were in front of the mirror and you felt something looking through your eyes. Okay, so some people 
actually feel when demons enter them. Some people actually experience demons looking through their eyes. You don't always feel it, but there are occasions where you can tell when a demon enters you. Because remember, demons enter you at a specific moment in a specific action for a specific reason. So sometimes, okay, lots of ones, literally hundreds of ones right now through the chat. That's probably a demon looking through you, looking through your eyes. So you actually can. Sometimes these things that I talk about tonight will transcend into the natural realm. Oftentimes, though, when something does happen in the spiritual realm, there's no physical or natural indicators, which means you can also get a demon and not know it, okay? A demon can come into you during a sinful act, which I'm gonna talk about in a minute, and you cannot feel that demon actually enter into you. Now, I wanna say this because this is very important, and this, literally, we can talk about demon doors for 10 hours straight, and here's why. Because any act of sin, write this down, can be an open door for a demon to come through, any act of sin. So, Isaiah, are we gonna cover every sin? Of course not. Is it possible to cover every sin? Of course not. So rather, what I, will, what I will do is go over some common doors I've seen in my personal deliverance ministry and some ones you probably had no clue open door. So I picked several common ones that I see over and over and over and over of ways demons get into people's lives. And then I'm going to have you write these down or however you want to take these notes and we'll, 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 we'll go for it, okay? So one thing to note, and I want you to write this down, is that demons cannot enter in by force. So demons cannot barge a door down. The door must be opened by you. There must be, write this down, a legal right or a legal permission for a demon to come into you. It's important to know that gates serve two main purposes. Number one, gates keep something in. Okay, we already talked about this. When God fills your house and changes you, you want to keep what he's done in your life, which is why you stay away from sinful things because you want to keep what God has done in. So gates keep things in and gates keep things out. So those are the two things you need to understand about gates. When we get delivered, we want to make sure that every gate is closed so nothing comes back. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to go over a couple of these and then we're going to see how far we get and we'll pray and do this. But number one, I want to talk to you about family doors. Write this down. Number one is family doors. I'm going to go by most common in my opinion. Well, actually, you know what? We're not going to go in any particular order. I'm just going to go for it and give you number one is family doors. Write that down. Family doors. And then I'm going to give you subcategories in family doors. One of the number one ways I see demons enter into the life of people I do deliverance on is through their family, is through their upbringing. Let me give you a couple ways. Number one of family doors is is abuse growing up. Countless people I've done deliverance on have gotten demons. And remember, we have to remove fair out of the vocabulary because it's not fair. Absolutely not fair. Countless deliverance I've done, people have gotten demons from being abused. Demons, write this down, do not always come in from what you do, but often they come from what has been done to you. Physical abuse is a major one. I was doing deliverance on a pastor's wife before with a team from their church and the demon was there of abuse and the demon said I came when she was eight years old when her mom punched her in the face at eight years old her mom punched her in the face and that is when the demon revealed to me that it came in after the deliverance we talked about that and she said absolutely I'll never forget I my whole life changed after my mom punched me in the face it was in that abusive moment the demon entered in. Now, how did that demon get in? The legal right was her mom abusing her. That was the open door for the demon to get in. Now, another huge one, and we're going to go through these quick because, like I said, these can be exhaustive, and I know there's kids watching, so I want to be sensitive and not get too graphic because some of this stuff can get extremely graphic. 
Another major one is sexual abuse. This is a huge one. And as deliverance ministers, which you all are, you're going to deal with this time and time again during deliverance. Mental abuse growing up is a major open door to demons. Remember, we're talking about demon gates, demon doors, demon portals. Emotional abuse is another major one. Major one. Now, during deliverance, listen very closely. We don't go back into people's childhood during deliverance. We don't say, we want you to go back. And how did you feel when you were five? And that person did this to you. How do you feel when you were eight years old? We don't do that. We don't go backwards. Is it necessary to renounce and forgive wounds and hurts? Absolutely. If you need to renounce, if you need to forgive, but we don't say, I want to take you back to when you were five and talk like you were five. We don't do that. That's demonic. That's worldly. But because Jesus doesn't take us backwards, Jesus takes us forward. Now, with that being said, there are times where you need to go back and forgive the person according to scripture and renounce whatever open door was there. But we're not going to take you and sit you down and go on and on about how did you feel when they did that to you and what was it like? We're not doing that because that's not the point of deliverance. The point of deliverance is to get the demon out of you, to get you free. However, we have to do that. So we don't go back. We go forward. Oftentimes he'll deliver you. And I've seen this over and over. I'm not telling you a one-time case. I'm telling you what I've seen over and over and over again. He will deliver you. And then after your deliverance, he'll bring healing. So I'm telling you tonight, and I'm going to speak this over you and we're going to pray for you tonight. God has a desire to heal you from every single childhood wound. God wants to heal you tonight from every childhood wound. Okay, let me tell you another way. We're still on family doors, family gates. This one is going to be hard for you to believe, but just trust me. I've dealt with this over and over and over again. I verified this with teachings of Frank Hammond, Derek Prince, Don Dickerman, all the credible guys will all tell you the same thing. So I'm giving you stuff that runs parallel with, with men of God who have done thousands and thousands of deliverances. Here's another way demons come in, in your family doors, rejection from the womb. This is very important. Now, Isaiah, is it possible for a demon? I'm going to try to slow down as much as I can, but is it possible for a demon to come in a child when it's in its mother's womb? Absolutely. Now, is there a verse that gives us an idea that this is possible? Yes. In Luke 1 15, it says John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb. So that means this, it's possible to be filled with a spirit in the womb, which is obviously John the Baptist was a was the Holy Spirit. But the word filled, when we talk about Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira being filled with Satan, is the same Greek word if you look at Acts 4, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So those are the same Greek words. So it's possible, and there's a verse even there where it talks about John the Baptist being filled. Demons can also enter in in the womb. Over and over, I've dealt with people I would say, I don't know, more than 50% of people have demons because of open doors from their childhood, family gates, and family doors. So you got to know that's the same word filled. I've done many deliverances where the demon said I've come from the womb or I came during conception. So many times now trauma during pregnancy can also open the baby up to a demonic spirit. Once again, the word fair does not exist in deliverance ministry, traumatic births, traumatic pregnancies. I've seen this doing personal deliverance on people can open up to a demonic spirit. Also speaking words over your baby. If you're pregnant, saying things like, I wish I wasn't pregnant. I didn't even want this baby. This was a mistake. This baby was an accident. These are open doors for that little fetus, that baby, that human being to have demons come into them. Babies seek love even in the womb. This is scientifically proven. Babies long to be loved even in their mother's womb. And when the baby is in the womb, I know this is, come on guys, this is real stuff here. When the baby is in the womb, and the baby feels unwanted or doesn't receive love, it becomes an open door to the spirit of rejection. Many, many, many people are born with the spirit of rejection. It's an open door. 
I dealt with a man. Let me share another story with you here. I dealt with a man that had same-sex attractions, okay? He was attracted to males. He said, Isaiah, I don't want to be attracted to males. I want to get free from this. I don't want this. I don't know why this is happening. And I just, I can't. I'm not attracted to females at all, only men. When we were doing his deliverance, the demon spoke out of him involuntarily. We didn't ask it to tell us this. And said, the way that I came was because when he was in his mother's womb, they said they wanted a girl and I came because they kept speaking that over him. That's what the demon told me. Said when he was in the mother's womb, they said, we really wanted a girl. We didn't want a boy. And so now the baby comes and now he's living his life attracted to males, feeling like a woman, even though he wants to be free because his parents spoke that over him. Now, if you, if you read the Bible, you'll see the devil oftentimes goes after kids. He tried killing Moses as a baby. He tried killing Jesus. And by the way, that guy did get free. Praise the Lord. He tried killing Jesus as a baby. It doesn't seem fair, but again, fair, I'm going to say it over and over again, is not in the devil's dictionary. Some common demons, I'm going to give you a couple common demons that prey on children. These are demons that specifically assigned to prey on children. I'm going to go by most common to least common. Confusion is number one. This is major. Rejection spirit of anger, spirit of fear, spirit of rebellion, the spirit of loneliness, the spirit of depression, and lastly, and this is so sad to say, the spirit of suicide. It's so, so sad how, how every so often you'll see a young kid, eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, take their life, and then you wonder, how could a 10-year-old take his life? It's a demonic spirit. The enemy is not playing games with our children. It's time for us to stop playing games. Another way demons come in through family gates is generational curses curses are an open door for demons demons come to enforce curses i have an entire video on curses so i won't go long for the sake of time but you need to understand that this is very scriptural i have a video on curses go watch it i do an entire segment on generational curses generational curses are an open door and you need to decide tonight are you going to pass down generational blessings which are also something i talk about or are you going to pass down generational curses i'm telling you right now god wants tonight to break every generational curse in Jesus name and set you free I got delivered of a generational curse the Holy Spirit revealed to me one night in prayer I had someone come pray for me and I got breakthrough I got delivered from a generational curse and I believe tonight God wants to deliver you from that I'm not going to get in debates with you I'm not going to get in arguments with you I give scriptures in the video of curses tons of scriptures like I'm doing tonight on generational curses okay here's a major one in the family gates confusion due to divorce this is something I've dealt with over and over and over. The spirit of confusion. Children oftentimes in a divorced family, which is very common right now, get a spirit of confusion and live their entire lives confused because why am I going with mommy on this day? Why am I going with daddy on this day? Why is mommy and daddy not together anymore? Am I the reason why? I've had many demons say I came when their parents got divorced because they thought they were the reason mom and dad got divorced. And that's what brought the spirit of confusion. Was I the reason mommy and daddy aren't together anymore? Was I the reason why they got a divorce? Am I a So the spirit of confusion, which in my opinion, if you say, well, what's the most common spirit you've cast out or what's the spirit You've cast up more than any other spirit. It's a spirit of confusion. It oftentimes comes in a divorced family, a divorced household. Here's another open door in the family gate. Word curses spoken over you from parents become open doors to demons. Word curses, let me say it again, spoken over you from parents become open doors to demons. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Spoken words have the power to either bless someone or curse someone. Proverbs 6, 2 says you're ensnared or you get caught in a snare by the words of your mouth. So the words of your mouth can be a trap and be a portal and be a snare. And the word snare means to bring ruin or destruction. Okay, so number one gates were family gates. Number two gates, come on, we're going to go quick here. 
because I don't want to turn this into a two-week thing. I want to give it all to you guys tonight. Number two, and I, by the way, I'm getting up at 3.30 in the morning to go to Arizona, but I'm on here, y'all, preaching to you guys, teaching you guys, sharing with you guys what God has given me. Number two, so gate number one was family gates. I'll post all these on the bio of YouTube, okay? Don't let me forget. The second gate is trauma. If you're not subscribed, please real quick hit subscribe to the channel. It's trauma. Write that down. Number two is trauma. Traumatic experiences are open doors to demons. Car accidents are a major open door to demons. I've seen the spirit of fear. I've seen the spirit of death. Anxiety all come from a traumatic car accident. What was the open door to the demon of trauma, uh, of death, of fear coming into a person? It was a traumatic car accident. That was the open door. That was the open vehicle. How many times have you heard somebody say, who is irrationally afraid of cars, irrationally afraid in cars, can't get on the freeway, afraid when someone else is driving, constantly having anxiety, always have to drive and be in control. And they always say, I was never like this until... I got in that traumatic car accident. Well, what was it? It was a spirit that came in through the trauma, a spirit of fear, a spirit of death, a spirit of confusion, whatever it was, it came through the trauma. This is spiritual. It's demonic trauma is a major open door. Another way that demons come in through trauma is by surgeries. I've heard many stories of demons coming in through traumatic surgeries. When something goes wrong in a surgery, when there's panic, when there's hysteria, when the doctors are racing in saying, we don't know if she's going to make it. We don't know what's going on. The heart rate's dropping. The heart rate's increasing. We lost the signal. We lost pulse. And you go through a traumatic surgery. That surgery becomes an open door to demons. Me and my wife dealt with this when we had our, I believe it was our second born journey. We had a very traumatic birthing experience. She stopped breathing hours after being born. She was rushed to the rushed to the NICU. They pumped air into her. She ended up being in the NICU for 13 days. And my wife experienced a demon of trauma coming over the bedside saying, I'm going to kill your kid. So literally had an experience where a demon of trauma came to my wife in the hospital room. This is a real thing. Traumatic births, traumatic surgeries, traumatic experiences are open doors to demons. Other traumatic events like burglaries. I'm just going to do these two common ones and we're going to move on like burglaries and sexual traumas. Those are two major ones, okay? Many people go through these events and they say, I was never the same after my house got broken into. I was never the same after I got robbed. I was never the same after I got raped. I was never the same after I got molested. Sexual trauma is a very, very common open door. I would say anyone I've dealt with that's been sexually abused has a spirit from the sexual abuse. A spirit came in through the sexual abuse. Also burglaries, near-death experiences. These are all open doors to spirits. I had many near-death experiences. One of them, which was very demonic in nature, where I almost took my life. Although I was never suicidal, I almost took my life. These are all demonic. I don't want to go into much detail with these, but I would say 60 to 70% of demons we, we deal with come through trauma in one way or another. Okay, so number two is trauma. Number three write this down. Okay. We're, we're going for it. We're, we're, we're skating along here tonight. Number three, write this down. The third major gate is occult practices. Write that down. Occult practices. Very, very common. I deal with this all the time. I did three deliverances last week and I dealt with this in every single one of those deliverances, occult practices. I'm going to give you a list of occult practices that open door to demons. We're not limited to what I'm giving you. There's way more. Like I said, this could be a 10-hour broadcast. There's more than this, but let me give you. Remember, tonight we're focusing on the most common ones. So let me give you the most common occult practices that open doors to demons. Are you ready? Because I'm going to go quick. Okay. Pledges, oaths, vows, ceremonies, horoscopes. Horoscopes are demonic. If you're into horoscopes, I'm letting you know now you're opening the door to demons. Fortune telling is demonic. 
Okay, and I'm going to say one that's going to freak you all out. You're all going to say I'm legalistic. You're all going to say it's innocent, Isaiah. Uh, it's not fair. Fortune cookies are demonic, okay? I know you think it's just fun. I know they're generic. I know it's not a big deal, but the Bible speaks against fortunes, fortune telling. A fortune cookie is a, is a type of fortune telling. And you might say, well, that's just foolish. That's legalistic. It's not real. I have dealt with people that have gone to fortune tellers, fortune telling, fortune cookies. These are demonic. I don't care what you have to say about this. I know this is true. I've dealt with this. Fortune telling. Tarot cards are huge. If you've gone to a tarot card reader, if you've gone to a psychic, you've opened a door, okay? Voodoo, voodoo dolls, spirit guides, sorcery, seances, horror movies, necromancy. I just did a video on necromancy, okay? That's communicating with the dead. Blood oaths. When you think it's, oh, it's just fun when you're kids and you do the blood oath. I did that as a kid. It's demonic. It is an open door. I'm going to talk about demons coming in once again when we open doors in a little bit here because I'm going to clear up some confusion you might have about these, but I'm going to get into it. Don't worry. Hypnosis. If you've been hypnotized at the fair, it seemed innocent. No, it was a spirit controlling you as a spirit gaining information. Handwriting analysis. I had a guy come into my old job and he would do handwriting analysis. These are all curious arts and handwriting analysis is demonic. It was bizarre, the stuff he told me about my life, doing my handwriting. He used to come into my job when I worked at Starbucks. Automatic writing. That's when you put your pen down and you close your eyes and you write things. Astrology. And guys, I know some of you are saying you're moving too fast. You can go back and write these down. I'm going to move quick because we're already an hour and five minutes into it. And I don't want to turn this into a two-week thing. I want to do this in one week because next week I really want to focus on some of these video reviews. Maybe, but we'll see. Okay, yoga is demonic. Psychics are open doors. Palm reading Ouija boards, Ouija boards. If you played the Ouija board or you play Ouija board, I had one person say, oh, it's made by Hasbro. It can't be demonic. It's a point of reference into the demonic realm. Understand it's just a point of reference. It is demonic. Levitation games. You know the game where you get your pinky and you all, that's demonic. Levitation games are demonic. Magic eight balls. People do these levitation, these eight balls. They go, there's no way this works. And everyone freaks out and it goes viral. You need to know it does work because you're invoking demonic powers to help you do these things. Books of magic, books about the occult, books about spells, Freemasons, Eastern Star, Rainbow Girls. I actually knew somebody that was in the Rainbow Girls, incredibly demonic. Fraternities and sororities are also open doors. These are all demonic. These are all major open doors. I've lost track of how many people I've dealt with that got demons from playing the Ouija board or going to palm readings, okay? It was innocent. And you say, Isaiah, it was innocent. I just got it done at the mall. It's no big deal. Friend, listen, it doesn't matter if you were at the mall food court or you were at McDonald's. An open portal is an open portal. And it's not innocent when someone is tapping into supernat the supernatural realm outside of being gaining entrance through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, and through the power of God. Anytime you go to a psychic, a palm reader, or engage in any of the things I just mentioned, you're giving demons an access point and the people power to put things in you and to put things on you. Okay. Cursed items are a huge open door to demons. I will not get into this whole teaching I do. Just know that they're demonic. Acts 19.19 talks about curious arts and burning the books. If you want to know about cursed items, go watch my Breaking Curses video because I don't have 25 minutes right now to break down what cursed items are and how to get rid of them. Go to my video, Breaking Curses. I talk all about cursed items. Okay, idols. I just want to speak about idols. Idolatry is an open door to demons. Anything in your life, okay, 
that you put higher value, higher esteem, or more time into above God is an idol. Anything can become an idol. A job can become an idol. A marriage can become an idol. Kids can be an idol. Hobbies can be an idol. Sports can be an idol. Entertainment can be an idol. These are all open doors. Idolatry is an open door to demons. Anything that you exalt above God becomes an idol. And that's why when people say, is it wrong to do this? Is it wrong to watch this? Is it wrong to go there? Unless there's magic or witchcraft, I can't tell you yes or no, because what is an idol for one person is not an idol for another person. The Bible says that they made a golden calf out of golden earrings. Is there anything wrong with golden earrings? No, but they took the golden earrings and they turned them into an idol. And when they took that, which was innocent and turned it into an idol, it became wrong. So anything you do that's innocent that becomes an idol, becomes an open door to demons. In other words, football, I don't think football is demonic or wrong, but if football becomes an idol and you know every name of any, every player and you spend hours and hours obsessing about it and watching it, then that could be an idol and an open door to demons. Now for me, Football is not an idol for me because you couldn't pay me to sit through a football game. I'm not interested in sports, football, basketball, none of it. You couldn't pay me to watch a football game. So for me, you need to understand that it's not an idol, but for you, it might be. Okay, number four is soul ties. Four, 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 right down number four, the fourth gate. And I'm going to go very quick on these, the next couple of these. Soul ties, toxic relationships, and spiritual spouses. I did a video about spiritual spouses, me and Vlad. It's called Casting Out Demons, Questions and Answers, Part 1. And I just did a video last week on soul ties, so I'm not going to take a lot of time. Just know soul ties are another way you can get demons, another open gate. I won't go into detail because I just did. Um, and I'll do I'll do another short video on spiritual spouses later, so you can get just, boom, right there, have it to your disposal. But just know spiritual spouses are also open doors to demons. They become open doors for other spirits to come in. Oftentimes, remember, Jesus said demons trust travel in gangs or packs. And when one spirit comes in, oftentimes it'll bring other spirits with it. Remember, he says, I get seven, he gets seven of his friends and they all enter the house together. Okay. Number five, number five, open gate is sinful acts or sinful habits. Now, this is something I really want to touch on because this is much misunderstood in deliverance ministry. Sometimes write this down. A single act can be an open door for a demon. Now, when you commit a sinful act, it does not guarantee a demon will come in every time, but every time you commit a sinful act, you give the devil an open door and he decides, or the second heaven, we're not going into that because I already did a video on that, decide if they're going to enter you or not. And Bray Prizzle, we just broke 2,700 viewers. So understand that a sinful act not every time guarantees a demon, but it gives you a chance to have a demon. Let me show you this in scripture, Luke 22, 3. Judas made a decision to betray Jesus. And the Bible says he went out from the last supper. And the Bible says in Luke 22, three, then Satan entered Judas. So Judas opened a door that he could not close. And oftentimes when we're commanding a demon to come out, they will reply. The person invited me in. The person wants me in, or I don't have to leave. So these demons come because of a sinful act. Demons will often say when something happened, I came when this happened. I came when they watched this. I came when they said this. I came when they went there, when they acted a certain way. Demons come when you commit uh, sinful acts, not every time, but the more you commit a sinful act and they become sinful habits, which I'll go into here in a second, it gives a higher percentage chance for a demon. I'm trying to use spiritual... Um, principles and spiritual things to try to relate with you and communication. It's not easy, but just understand with me, just think of it this way. 
when you commit a spiritual act, there's a percentage. Let's say we're not going to give you a percentage, but let's say 20%, 30%. Let's just give a random percentage. There's that percent chance a demon comes in when you do that act, okay? So do you really want to risk it? Do you really want to play around? Now, a demon's not going to enter you every single time you sin, but they do have an opportunity every time you open a portal, the devil has an opportunity to enter into you. Now, the spirit of suicide. This is a very interesting thought, and I'm going to talk about the spirit of suicide for a specific reason. Because I remember when I was doing a deliverance, there was a strong spirit of suicide in a particular young lady, and it revealed to me voluntarily, I didn't ask it, but it revealed to me that the spirit of suicide, it said, I came into her when she wrote a suicide note. Think about this. I came into her when she was writing a suicide note. This is very interesting. What Now, because the girl told us later that she always wondered what it was like to write a suicide note. I don't know why. Don't ask me why people do these things. But she said, I always wondered what it would be like to write a suicide note and what I would write. She wondered, okay? So she sat down one night, wrote a suicide letter as a joke or not a joke, maybe an experiment. She just wanted, she was dabbling with it, wanted to see what it felt like to write a suicide note, which I know is demonic to start with. When she was writing the suicide note, writing the note became the sinful act and the open door for the spirit of suicide. And she said, after I wrote the note, I actually wanted to start take, to take my life after that. Never wanted to until that moment. Thank God we cast the demon out of her. And I know her to this day. She's been free from that. I've known her for nine years now. But I'm letting you know, many times demons come not because you did something, write this down, but to get you to do something. So the spirit of suicide doesn't come when you commit suicide. Come on, are you with me? It comes to get you to commit suicide. So just because you didn't do something doesn't mean there's not a demon there, okay? Another major uh, sinful act, and these are all common ones we're going over tonight, is sexual acts, okay? Masturbation is an open door for demons. Fornication and pornography are three major open doors. I'm not going to go into this because we have a lot of viewers from all ages and I want to get my video taken down, but just understand these are open doors. Also, okay, this is one you guys are not going to like, but I've actually cast this out of people before. The spirit of gluttony. This comes from frequent overeating. I don't know if you know this, but it's a sin to gorge yourself, okay? Gluttony is a sin in the Bible. Overeating, eating till you feel sick, eating till you feel like throwing up, eating, eating, eating. It opens the door. It's a sinful act. Overeating all the time opens the door to the spirit of gluttony. I know you're like, I don't believe that. It's okay. You don't have to believe it. I've dealt with it before. Another one I want to go over that's commonly overlooked, and we're almost done here, is daydreaming or fantasizing. Okay? How does this work? When you sit there, listen to me very closely because some of you have demons from this. When you sit there and you think of your life being a certain way with certain people or you fantasize about other people, this is an open door for a demon to come in. Fantasizing and daydreaming are open doors to demons. Let me give you an example. You're sitting there one day and you're thinking, what would it be like to be married to so-and-so's husband? Because on Instagram, he bought her flyer, uh, flowers. He always takes her out on dates on Instagram, okay? And you're only seeing the highlights on Instagram. You're not seeing the fights on Instagram. What would it be like to be a part of this? What would it be like if I went here? What would it have been like if I didn't have any kids? And now you spend 30 to 40 minutes thinking about what your life would have ended up like if you didn't have kids. What your life would have ended up like if you married someone else? What your life would have ended up like if you did this or went there? And you spend 30 minutes and you look at the clock and you say, oh my gosh, it's 7.30 and I started fantasizing and daydreaming at 7 o'clock. Has anybody ever done that before? That's called fantasizing and daydreaming and it's an open door for demons. Now we can go down a rabbit hole on all these sinful acts, 
but I just want to emphasize some things. It might not be a single uh, sinful act that opens the door to a demon, but usually, write this down, it's persistent practices of a sin that becomes a habit that becomes an open door. Now, it's possible to sin one time, do one thing, masturbate one time, watch porn one time, sleep, fornicate one time, and a demon come in. Is that possible? Yes, but usually it's from habits being formed and the demons come in through the habits. So the, the more you sin, Think of it as rolling a dice every time. There's going to come a place where you land on the roll. There's a higher chance the more you do it. Deliverance is time-consuming and for the person being delivered, not fun. So why do you keep inviting things in, okay? Let this be a lesson to you tonight that this is not a fun thing to get delivered. It's it's very time-consuming. It's Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you're sore after. Sometimes it can be humiliating. So when you keep going from deliverance to deliverance, opening doors, opening doors, you're doing yourself a disservice, okay? These people that are in these cycles of sin, the Bible calls them children of Satan, which I won't go into because I don't want to offend you too much. But this is like someone going to the dentist, and the dentist keeps saying, if you keep eating candy and not brushing your teeth, you're going to have to keep coming back and getting fillings. Now, does anybody in the chat enjoy going to the dentist and getting a root canal or getting a filling? No. If you do, you're weird. Nobody enjoys getting their teeth drilled into. Yet, why is it you keep eating candy? Because it feels good. Because you like it. Understand that these demons come as a result of your actions. Okay, let me give you one more sinful act common. Doing drugs is a major open door to demons. Drugs come from the Greek word pharmakia, which means sorcery. Drugs, the original text, and sorcery are connected, okay? I don't have time to get in that today. Many times you hear people say this, okay? And all you guys are going to say, oh man, this is so true. You hear people say, when I'm on drugs, I could hear from God. When I'm on drugs, I experience the presence of God. No, you are hearing from God. It's just the lowercase God who's the devil, not the uppercase God. Drugs open up a spiritual portal, and when you do drugs, you're opening yourself up to a spirit of sorcery. Okay, that was number five, sinful acts. Number six, let's spam it in the chat, laying hands on people, okay? I'm going to do a whole video on this, but let me just give it to you quick. You should not let anyone lay hands on you that you do not know. Laying hands on people is a very powerful spiritual experience and you should not rashly be letting people lay hands on you oftentimes the holy spirit's power was released through the laying on of hands but not only could the power of the holy spirit be released through the laying on of hands demonic spirits could be released through the laying on of hands john ramirez who's a friend of mine personally told me that they used to lay hands on people during ceremonies and demonic practices because they mimic what God's people do. Remember the devil mimics, he perverts, he has nothing new, he has nothing fresh, he's a mimicker. And so laying hands, you can transfer spirits. You would not drink off of any random person's cup because you don't know where their mouth has been. So you shouldn't let any random person lay hands on you because you don't know where their hands or spirit have been. So don't let random people. Now, let me just say something that's taken out of context and I want to make something very clear. First Timothy 5.22 says, don't be hasty laying on of hands, okay? Now, some people have said, well, you shouldn't pray. Let, don't let ministers pray for you quickly because the Bible says don't hastily. This is specifically talking about in 1 Timothy 5.22, appointing church leadership. So I don't want to use this verse. Now, I want I, my flesh wants to use this verse and say, the Bible says don't lay hands hastily. But that's not actually what he's talking about. He's saying don't take amateurs, new people, lay your hands on them and appoint them as leadership in the church. But... Okay, so that's the context of 1 Timothy 5.22. So don't let me, don't think I'm taking this out of context, but I do believe there's a spiritual truth to this when it comes to laying hands on people as well. If you can't track somebody, they shouldn't be laying hands on you. Okay, lastly, and then we're going to pray.
that every door would be shut. Lastly, number seven is entertainment. If you want the map, it's IsaiahSaldivar.com slash deliverance. Okay, you guys keep asking for the map in the chat. Entertainment is number seven. This is a huge one considering we spend six to eight hours a day being entertained. We have so much access to movies and music like no generation ever has. And let me show you, okay, because I have it with me right now, the biggest open door and open portal that you could ever have to demons in our generation. Are you guys ready? I'm going to show you it right now. Here we go. Is the camera ready? This right here is the biggest open door. Many of you are holding it in your hand right now to demonic spirits. This is a portal. Entertainment is a portal and the devil is coming after your eyes. Matthew 6, 22. Your eyes are a window for your body. When they are good, you have all the light that you need. The English contemporary version, the New King James says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. You need to understand that the eye is a very important thing and the devil is working over time to try to get your eyes on sexual things, to try to get your eyes on deceptive media, to try to get your eyes on the things of this world. Music is also an open door. Many people believe that Satan was in charge of music in heaven. Although this is not specifically made clear in scripture, what is clear is that Satan uses music as to further his agenda and to be an open door to demons. Everyone knows when you hear a song, it could take you back. There is spiritual power in music. All music glorify something and if it's not glorifying god then ask yourself who is it glorifying listen to me very closely i hear many christian leaders say it's fine to listen to worldly music but to me when i read scripture when i get on the battlefield there's no gray areas zero zero if you want to live demon proof zero worldly music zero worldly music i don't care if it's oldies i don't care if you like the beat i don't care if it sounds good if you want to open doors to demons that is your own prerogative i can't stop you from opening portals but i'm letting you know music brings glory to something and when you glorify darkness when you open this door absolutely yes someone said video games all entertainment any entertainment any entertainment can be an open door to the demonic realm. And I believe worldly music is wrong. I believe it's not for the church. I don't believe it is okay. And some people are like, oh, it's, that's fine. If that's where you want to be, I'm not trying to see how close I can get. One of the first things I did getting saved was I deleted 40,000 songs off my iTunes. God showed me there was power in your old music, Isaiah. I used to be in a metal band. It was demonic. I'm telling you right now, I went out, did shows. We did tours metal on, with doing metal music. I was playing drums in a metal band. And I'm letting you know that there is spiritual power in music. Do not be deceived. There's a reason why 10,000 young people can go to a rave and dance to the same beat for six hours while being on drugs. And they call the genre of music trance music okay i'm sorry but if you don't think there's power in that you're sadly mistaken they call it trance music because there's spiritual power in music and i believe tonight the holy spirit wants us to get free i believe tonight is your night of deliverance i believe tonight is your night of freedom i believe god wants to break you out of every bondage every assignment and every strategy of the enemy i want to pray a prayer i want to slam every spiritual door i'm going to pray that the lord would reveal the doors to you so that you can close these doors and so that you can be set free and delivered by the power of god thank you everyone that's been here through the night we're going to pray this prayer thank you we broke 2800 viewers praise the lord we're going to pray this prayer. We'll be back live on Tuesday with Jenny Weaver. I'm going to read through those these donations. You guys can feel free to give it anytime. All the links are on screen. We went over an hour. We went an hour and 23 minutes on the message and an hour and 40 minutes live. And I got to get up at 3.30 in the morning. Okay, so... 
Don't dine in dash. Help your brother out. Uh, so into what God's doing. But let's pray because I believe tonight God wants to break something. God wants to reveal something. And God wants to set somebody free in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you right now that you would release your power and your anointing on your people. God, we ask for an outpouring of fire. We pray that every single door would be shut in Jesus' name. I pray that God right now would begin to reveal doors you didn't know were there. God would begin to reveal strategies that the enemy has brought against you. That God is bringing deliverance power right now. I speak the delivering power of the Holy Ghost over you in Jesus' name. I speak the power and the anointing of Almighty God to come upon you now. And I ask right now, Lord, that you would bring deliverance. I ask that you would bring breakthrough. I pray that every demonic portal would be shut, that we would walk in freedom, that we would walk in liberty, that we would not live bound. I pray old traumas would be healed. I pray that those demons from car accidents, I pray those demons from childbirth, I pray those demons from labor, I pray those demons from surgeries, I pray those demons from sexual abuse would be broken now in Jesus' name. Father, we are asking that every door would be shut. Your word says that you shut doors that no one can open. So Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would shut every door right now. And Lord, I just pray that you would bring deliverance on your people. I pray that you would bring breakthrough on your people. I pray that your fire would be on your people right now in Jesus' name. Just let your anointing fall right now. Holy Spirit, I pray chains break now. In Jesus' name, I say be free in Jesus' name. I say be delivered in Jesus' name. I speak healing over you now, over your physical body. I say be healed in the name of Jesus. I speak deliverance over you in the name of Jesus. Be restored, be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that right now you would reveal open doors. Lord, we ask that every open door would be revealed now. Lord, if there's any open doors in Isaiah Saldivar's life, Lord, that you would reveal it now and you would shut it in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord. Give me the strength. Come on, ask him right now. Ask him right now. Give us the strength, Lord, to shut every single door that is not of you. And when the devil tries to find another way, God, that you would put us onto his strategies, that you would show us before he goes forward with this, and that you would deliver us and you would set us free by the power of the Holy Spirit. I speak the anointing of the Holy Spirit over you. I speak deliverance over you. I speak breakthrough over you. I say that God is doing a new thing in your life right now. And there is delivering power in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.